Georgia Music with Turner and Seth. Welcome to our new series. You excited, Seth? I'm very excited. This is a pilot episode for our new series. Yes, we're going to be focusing on the people, the music, and special events and related things, things related to the Georgia music world and the, the Georgia music industry. Industry, that's right. It's very. Uh, we're going to talk to promoters. We're going to talk to producers and we're going to talk to artists and everyone in between and this uh first episode will be a, a great example of all of that we want to point out that we are members of osiris media and um we have done a bunch of interviews for this episode and we will at some point put the full version of those interviews on our website and those will be like one of the osiris podcasts called the tapes archive which you folks should check out that's source audio from the 90s of uh for for um, articles that were written in, uh, mostly in connecticut but other places as well indiana maybe i think i don't know the point being great guests including alex van halen frank zappa billy joel yeah all kinds of stuff check it out the tapes archive and you can see that our podcast inside out with turner and seth and so much more at osiris pod uh, and Osiris welcomes you there for a deeper connection to the music you love. Uh, email us at insideoutwtns at gmail.com if you have any Georgia music interests or Georgia music industry interests that you would like us to cover. But for episode one, we're going to talk about concerts during COVID and one in particular. Humphreys McGee brought their drive-in series to the Atlanta Motor Speedway. And we have Eric Von Hessler to talk to us about NASCAR. Eric Von Hessler is the hottest radio personality in Atlanta, Georgia right now. And just real quickly, actually, before I tell about the Speedway, Seth, you we attended Friday. What did you think of, of the driving at the Speedway? <clears throat> uh, well, you know, you were there, so uh, but the listeners don't, so that's why you're asking. <laughs> yeah. So it's called radio, Seth. Oh, is it? I thought it, oh, okay. I thought it was computer. Um let me I see you threw me off here. So I have to gather my thoughts. And uh, well, we drove in. It was, on, it was real easy to get in, but they took your glass away. So that was cool. They were taking everybody they were being really loose, but they took everybody's glass away. Then we went. We wound around. They got us right to our spot. I don't well. think people need to step by step. I mean, you, the, the, to answer your question, I thought it was a really well produced event. Uh, and I thought it had a great feel to it. I felt very safe. I enjoyed the music. The quality of the music was great. The quality of the lighting and the production, everything high quality. Uh, and it felt really good to be at live music again. And as you'll learn, we each had our own little area right next to our car, so you kind of tailgated, and we're, the, the, the band came to you instead of you having to go into the show after tailgating. Real quickly, uh, the Speedway was planned in 1958 and built in 1960 and actually went through some financial hard times in the late 60s into the 70s. <clears throat> this fellow Walt Nix kept it going at the time, but then later this fellow by the name of Bruton Smith. Bruton! He is the one who updated it and put a lot of money into it and made it, you know, sufficient so that NASCAR would keep running races there. And now it is one of the only three remaining original seven super speedways. Those are one mile plus. The other two are in Daytona and Charlotte. So uh, for more on NASCAR, once again, uh, from the Von Hessler Doctrine, former regular guy, you Atlanta people may know, also host of the Five not, to Go podcast. Not just Atlanta. Regular guys were, uh, they were out there, man. They were syndicated into Dallas and Macon and also the online people listen all over the place. They were on Sirius Satellite for a while. I think pre-Stern. Um, great show. Very, I mean, in the Stern motif, but they definitely had their own distinctive qualities. And the Von Hessler Doctrine is just outstanding political talk, but not like trying to uh, force you to think one way or the other, just kind of having fun with it all and, and um, you know, throwing opinions around and, and doing imitations and uh, improvisation and all that. Anyway, Seth, take us to Eric Von Hessler. You just did. <laughs> you do.
I kind of rebelled against it for a number of years. Once I got to like my late teens, I completely walked away from being a fan of racing. I didn't care. And so by coming back to Atlanta and being with radio stations and doing promotions and getting out to Atlanta Motor Speedway and getting to know them, um, I began to kind of this is also what happens to kids who walk away from religion. They get a little bit older and they start to realize, you know what, that wasn't so bad. And, right. and so I, I kind of got back into it again. And plus I was, because I was working for 96 rock at the time and we had a lot of access. My mother is, uh, she's passed now, but at the time just, she's just a huge racing fan and a NASCAR fan. She'd never been to one single NASCAR event and so it became fun because she was able to come down and not only go to events, but have all the access that I had and meet Richard Petty and, you know, all these heroes of her. So um, that's how it happened. And, and then once I got back into it as an adult, uh, I, I, I could understand the sport more. And I became more of a, you know, not an expert, but I guess uh, a bit of an aficionado, I suppose. I know it pretty well. Unfortunately, the attendance over the years has gone down. And that's why, you know, they do more events like the one, you know, you guys are talking about today. Um, it be, these tracks have become, you know, multi-event sort of facilities. They always were a little bit. Um, but more and more, they look for their revenue sources out of that. You know, back in the crash, was that 2008 or so? Uh, back in the last crash, they kind of got rid of all of, a lot of testing. And, and tracks like it, you would look at a big place like Atlanta Motor Speedway and think, well, how do they make money? They have two races a year. How does that work? But each, uh, but, but they, there were a lot of other tracks that looked a lot like Atlanta Motor Speedway. So they would make money from different teams that would show up and just practice uh, during the week. And you'd make a whole lot of money. Well, about 2000, 2000, 2008, 2009, during the crash, they got rid of that to save money because if you were a smaller team and you couldn't afford to do it, and then like the big teams are just getting better and better and better by being able to practice. So there was, wasn't enough money around for the smaller, mid-sized teams and smaller teams. So they just got rid of it which meant that tracks like Atlanta Motor Speedway lost a, a large source of revenue. And so you've seen the ramp up of more concerts, more. I think there's an EDM festival there every year yeah, now. Imagine and, festival you know, is the one. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you're seeing that's that's why you're seeing those things. Did you know that Jimmy Carter was a ticket vendor there in the 60s? Uh, I didn't, but it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> that's a that's a that's an awesome little uh detail and you know that 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 hits on something that um when i think it opened in 1960 or thereabouts uh exactly 60 july 30 31st 1960 just over 60 years old so when when something that large (laughs) is part of a community for that long um guess what's going to happen a few years later an awful lot of people will have gone through there or had a story or uh something happened there or you know i can't imagine how many how many people have lost their virginity in the infield <laughs> at Atlanta Motor Speedway and <laughs> stories uh, forever? To the lullaby of engines. Yes, yes. <laughs> One of the creepiest things my mother ever told me. So I don't know if your mother's ever told you anything you just didn't want to hear. But uh, <laughs> yes. yeah, I think we it was were, good night. And don't smoke weed. Yeah. <laughs> we were we were walking through there. Well, it was probably the early two thousands, and we were walking. And it was either after a race, before a race, and the engines are going and uh my mom said she was older than she said if i ever had sex again (laughs) i would i would want to hear that on a record player while i I said mom i really don't want to know that i really okay you love racing i get it i don't need to know that you want (laughs) to that you want to have sex while you hear the roar of the vehicles going by i really don't need to know that from my mother were you able to cut her off or did she go out ahead and elaborate No, well, I mean, she got. A, I got the point. <laughs> Enough of it that I got the point. So Carter also, when he ran for governor, promised the racing community a, a barbecue at the, at the governor's mansion on West Paces Ferry. Apparently, that did happen. And then wow. in the White House, he had a racing community barbecue in uh, 1978 in the White House. Well, I, all I can say is that's great, but it didn't get him reelected. So I don't know if it was the right thing to do or not. I applaud anybody or in any entity and anything of people who try to figure this out and try to keep on doing stuff. It's we can't just exist, you know, and uh, man or woman doesn't live by bread alone. You know, we 
we we need this kind of stuff as human beings and yeah i i applaud i hope that it, i hope that these all these kind of solutions work out because i think we're going to be in this jam until we get uh until we get some kind of vaccine that people believe in and everyone's going to take. And I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't think anybody really does know when that's going to happen. It, it could be April or May or something. I hope not. But I, I like the, I like, I mean, I love live music and that's a great, I know you guys obviously love live music and anybody listening to this loves live music and what that, what that does to your, your heart and your soul and everything. And, and part of that is, being social and engaging and, and, and that whole universe. So it may be weird, but, you know, I applaud the fact that people are like, okay, we'll do it this way, but we're still going to do it. time with Eric Von Hessler, calling us from Sarasota, Florida, where his family is rotating, taking care of uh, some of the elderly folks in his family. They're switching off, spending two weeks or a few weeks each, so he's down doing his show from Sarasota and was kind enough to give us time. Again, WSB Radio 95.5 locally here in Atlanta, 9 to noon, but for a lot of podcast listeners may prefer the commercial-free podcast format on Apple, Von Hessler Doctrine. He also co-hosts the 5 to Go podcast with Doug Turnbull. want to thank Tim Anders, who's been on our show, the Jam Band Trump episode, Seth. Not for the faint of heart, not for the satirically challenged, uh, but it's, uh, we enjoyed it. He has a podcast called Radio Labyrinth, L-A-B-Y-R-I-N-T-H, culture and um, music and cinema and all kinds of great stuff. And I got to say, Eric, it was really a pleasure having such a pro, such a pro, gosh. Uh, and the interview, I mean, that was just a snippet of an hour, and he was very, very generous with his time. Uh, Rob, the big fan. I mean, Rob's a real big fan of of his folks. So uh, it was fun. Excellent. It was excellent. fun to see Rob in his um, in his fandom ways. Uh, but we'll definitely put, I, we should put that interview out there at some point, maybe even on just one side thing just for people because any okay. any anyone that um enjoyed that little bit he gave us a lot of content that was just really enjoyable he's such an excellent broadcaster he's outstanding okay now here's what we're going to do the next segment we have the site and event director we have a social distancing ambassador and we have an attendee okay and they're each gonna you know listen carefully get to know their voices they're going to tell you each of their perspectives the first uh kit blanchard uh, i've had interactions with here and there i may even have worked with them at the roxy one night um, he is the site and event director, but Seth, you've worked with Kit Blanchard a lot. For years, yeah. He's been a production manager at many, many festivals and destination events, uh, such as Jam Cruise to One Big Holiday with My Morning Jacket to working, uh, the, he was the main stage guy for, uh, you know, Bonnaroo for years. Like, he's... He's a class act, and, and when it comes to production, a lot of times people think uh, production guys can be a little harsh. Uh, Kid is a surfer and just a chill dude, but he's, he's outstanding to work with. He's a team leader and just a quality human. And I like the way, as you'll hear, he makes it very, very clear. The security and safety of everybody is paramount importance, but they also want to give you the experience that you have paid for. Uh, Nicholas Woodruff is the social distancing ambassador. He is a professional in the Atlanta hospitality industry, and he's worked many festivals and concerts throughout the Southeast. We'll be hearing from him. Yeah, he, we, we got... Uh, he came to us uh, through the work exchange team and Festival, uh, the volunteer management software, uh, who helped plug a bunch of um, fan staff to work um, these events. I think yeah, I just connected them to some work, which is awesome. Shout out to Amy Eccles, friend of the show, also a, a favorite of my own dog, Birdie. Uh, and then Steve Homer. Oh, I go back a long way with this fella. We used to see shows a long, long time ago. We kind of oh! we fell out of touch for a while. He's in Colorado now, living the dream. He's known online as the Fish Dicks Referee. Uh, uh, Fish has annual concerts in Colorado, um, three-night runs, camping, all that, and he goes around and gives yellow cards and red cards to people for behavior. Well, he morphed into the Umphreys McGee track marshal, dressed the whole part. He'll tell us about that and about the flags and everything. He is a music traveler of the first degree, and um, he kicks us off, 
And the three of us moved through a few topics here, including, uh, you know, we'll hear about the promoter going to uh, Chicago to prepare to see how some of these events were done then. We hear about the New Age merch sales and a bunch of other stuff, folks. Well, for clarification, the promoter is from Colorado, uh, from, from Chicago yes. and started doing these there and then came down to Atlanta to do them. And, and if you've never been to Atlanta, you're like, well, is the speed track in Atlanta? The speed track is not in Atlanta. Way south. Yeah. So it was a, tra- it was a track for people to get there. Um, but they did a fantastic job. I think every show pretty much you know, was at capacity. So good job on them. But I like the promoter uh, had kit all the way to Chicago. Oh, yeah, so he had like, kit. I, you said the promoter. I was like, no, no, the promoter's yes. from Chicago. Thank you. You're yeah. right. Sorry. Here, Steve Homer and Nicholas Woodruff and Kit Blanchard. seeing live music forever it's just a part of us and it was a big void uh all summer not being able to see anything had a ton of shows lined up that got postponed or canceled just like you guys and oh man it felt so great to finally be back to what extent were you were you concerned before arriving on site was i concerned before arriving on site you know about the whole virus thing yeah so it was my first time on a plane since um february and um the flight we took down was good. It was it was nice and clean. The airport was um, not very crowded, so that felt okay. But it's always nervous because you're you know you're stuck in a tube with a bunch of people. So mm. um, yeah, that was a little nerve wracking. Um, you know, here I am a few weeks later and healthy, so I feel I'm okay. It worked out. But as far as the idea of going to a concert, when you were making the decision, was any part of it like? You know, I'm, I'm risking exposure, even though it's outdoors. Right. And, and, and family. I mean, you got family you're seeing. You said your parents. So you know that, like, if you're going to the show, there's right. a, there is a level of, uh, you know, con- con- risk. Contain- yeah, risk. There you go. Thanks. Yep. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, my mom's in her 70s, and I was visiting her during this trip. And, you know, we got to take care of one another. And, you know, I, I was not super, super nervous because I feel like I'm smart enough to, you know, wear my mask when I'm near people and uh, wash my hands all the time and have hand, hand sanitizer with me at all times. So I took the precautions and um, felt okay about going to the show. Definitely. And I think you knew too, that the promoter that was putting these on had put on the shows in Chicago and that, I mean, I had heard that the fans had done pretty well there and you know, we're in the South, a little more well-behaved fan. So if they can behave well in Chicago, they certainly should be able to behave well in Georgia, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they did a great job with that. I mean, you, from the moment you drove in, you could see that they were spacing the cars out. Yep. You could see the porta-potties at the end of every row. I even noticed a, ma- a maintenance woman with all her gear. I mean, just getting ready to clean porta-potties, she probably did it every half hour or something. Um, there was definitely some stuff that I was noticing right away that made me feel comfortable. I went out there, um, I went up there and um, I, because they had done them and I wanted to see what was really working well for them. And uh, it was kind of like easy that way, you know, Mm -hmm. see what's working well there, bring it down here and, you know, use some of the lessons that they learned, um, implement the, the really implement the lessons that they learned up there here in Atlanta. And they were doing theirs a little differently. They were actually, the one that I went to see was actually at a drive-in theater, um, but they had done them in a parking lot um, at a another event space before. I wasn't able to see that one, but I was able to work with one of their production partners um, up there, um, CSP, um, and uh, kind of pick their brains, talk with them, and uh, get some very good insight into how to do these things. Yeah, I mean, we can see that insight in place. I mean, just just the small things like where when you go in, you know, it's like, do you want to park your where? How do you want to park your car? Back or front? Keeping uh, having some protocols of like just you're going to come out of your left side. So it's going to be one way or the other, but there's always going to be a space because it's thought out ahead of time. Uh, so that you can always keep maintain that di- social distancing. 
and and I found that that this event that this show we saw Friday night people really respected that social distancing. Uh, is that um, is that a concern for everyone, or is it pr- pretty oh, much everyone's been responsible? No, it's it's. I mean, when you ask if it's a concern for everyone, I don't know if like it's a concern of all the patrons, right, but yeah. it is a concern of everyone on our team. It's um, you know we have to be very responsible with this. So we have our COVID protocols in place. You know, whenever our team arrives on site, everyone um, has temperature checks done. Um, We have a, you know, a list of questions that we ask them about, you know, have you been in contact with anyone with COVID? Do you have your sense of taste and smell? Um, Do you have any undue nausea? Uh, headaches, fever, anything like that that we need to be aware of. And we go through this with everyone and everyone is, is uh, their temperatures taken, they're screened um, when they get on site. And then on site, there's, you know, we have a 100%, you know, mask policy on site. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You know, if a a uh, patron comes in and they're like, yo, you know, I'm really, I can't wear a mask because it's a medical thing. We're like, well, that's why we have your car here. So you're welcome to sit in your car and, you know, you can, you know, see the show from your car, but it's all about keeping everyone safe. That's our biggest, our, that's, that's our driving goal here is, um, you know, health and safety for everyone and, you know, so we have options for people. If, if you don't want to wear a mask, well, then you're able to get back into your car. But if you're outside of your car, you need to be wearing a mask. You have the spot to your, the right of your car, closest to the track. Everyone has that spot so that they and their quarantine has a place to hang out. But it's just the people that came in your car. And if you need to leave, there's two reasons that you can leave your space. One is to use restrooms. We've got them at each end of the, um, of the rows that people are parked in, and they're specific to those rows. And we have a team of cleaners that constantly, you know, just walk down the rows of the porta-potties, and they... Uh, clean all the high-touch surfaces just to make sure that everything is, you know, you know, that we are following our COVID protocols, mm-hmm. you know, and that we are keeping folks as safe as we can. And then for merch, we have a, um, a QR code on the screen and then on the porta potties are also, you know, you can go to um, the website and you can order merch through your phone they will text you when it's ready, and then you just go to the merch booth. They've pulled it all. They have it there. Pick it up. Take it back to your car. What they did was they had the QR code, and uh, it, was, it was advertised up on the screen or right near the merch booth. You scan it. You get the, you know, the, the listings on your phone, and click, click, click. Pick a couple things. Put your credit card in. You know, you, I'm, I was doing this at my car. Nice. And, and you get a text a few minutes later saying your merch is ready. So, it was, and then you just go up, you, show, you, you tell them your number or whatever, they hand you your stuff and you're out of there. It's fantastic. And what did you buy? I got a t-shirt, a poster, and some stickers. So, hold on a second, a poster. So, what about the poster line? Like, how's that work? I mean, because that's always a thing, right? Like, isn't that like the... People line up for hours. Uh, you have a friend, Rob. Rob, Rob, right? He would. Yeah. I mean, he's got. He's got more posters and toilet paper. You know, in the beginning. Yeah. Must have been first come, first served on the site, I guess, huh? Yeah, that's how I felt. How it was, but you're right, Seth. There was no like big line. You're just uh, you. You log on. Now there was a foil print, and then your standard print, and the foil was sold out by the time I I ordered. So some people mm-hmm. were all over that. Obviously, the second night of Umphreys was a little bit more hectic. Uh, there was a tornado warning. We had some uh, quick adjustments to get all the cars in and out and then basically back in for a full show. Hmm. And you had to work in the rain. Let's face it. It was, uh, it was very hectic and wet. Uh, thankfully, we were able to save as much equipment and just get everyone in happily. So just 
thankful we were able to get the show to go on. I mean, yeah, no problems with the masks. We just made sure to uh, restock up, get dried off, and get everything moving. So before we even do one show, we come up with an emergency activation plan. Um, and basically that encompasses, you know, you try to think of every different emergency scenario you can. And you say, if we have A, then we go, then, then the reaction to A is B, and then we call or we inform these people here. And, you know, there's all, the, and, and you just go through that with each different, you know, emergency situation. Um, you have, you have information that you want to get out to people. And so we have different ways to get that information out to people. We're looking at pushing it out over socials, number one. Uh, number two, we're looking at putting it over the um, side screens, uh, the video screens that we have on each side of the stage. We're also putting that information out over the PA if the PA is functioning. And then the final way that we're doing it is at these events, we have an FM transmitter so that people can tune into their, their cars. So if their windows are all rolled up because it's raining or whatever, they can tune into 104.5 and they can hear what are, uh, they can hear what's happening. They can hear the information that we need to give them, whether it's please return, please stay in your car. Um, this is past. We're starting the show in 20 minutes. You know, we just want to keep everybody as informed as they can be of what the situation is because information is key. Um, when you start talking about, you know, certain specific situations, be it a weather event like we have, we have different um, triggers for weather events, be they thunderstorms, be they lightning, be it, you know, tornadoes, be it, um, you know, line, uh, hard line winds. So right. I think, I think I said hurricane, I meant tornado, right? It was a tornado. Warning. Well, it was a band of the hurricane. So the hurricane came up through, um, the hurricane came up through Louisiana and it tracked so that it came, that low pressure system came to the West and to the West of us over like right through Tennessee. So we're, on the northeastern side of this, which is where you're going to take the most powerful um, area of weather because of the rotation of this low pressure system. Uh, so we were in a, an area where we got some pretty significant weather. Um, and basically we followed our protocols pretty much to a T and it's like, we ask folks to um, shelter in place. And then, yes, there is a point where it's like, do you push everybody out on the road or do you have them shelter in place? And you just have to follow the protocols that you have put into place. And these protocols, we've sent them out to, we're in Henry County down there. And we sent out our emergency um, activation plan to the sheriff's department down there who are partners with us on this. We also sent it out to um, Henry County Fire Department, who are partners with us on this. We also sent it out to um, the, uh, the Speedway, the Atlanta Motor Speedway itself. So each of these entities reviews our emergency preparedness plan and you know, has to kind of sign off on it. We follow those protocols as they were written and, you know, Thank goodness, you know, everything, everything went according to plan. You know, obviously there's, God forbid, there's times when things don't go according to plan. But in this case, you know, things went according to plan as, and we abided by our emergency activation plan and, you know, for the best. Was the curfew moved back an hour Saturday? Yes. Yes. How so, I mean, that I've done events in Chicago. So we've had to evacuate Lollapalooza in Chicago in the past. Yeah, I know. And, several people were there. Yeah. 
And so we, we had to evacuate, evacuate Lollapalooza in Chicago. And things get pushed back. You know, you want to give the fans the experience that they've paid for. Um, and the, you know, between the promoters, between the venue, uh, between the emergency teams that are out there, you know, everybody comes to an agreement that, okay, this happened. So we're going to just push this back later so that people aren't rushing to get somewhere. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to contribute to um, unsafe conditions. And that's one of the things that we go to when we're talking about, well, are we just telling everybody to leave now or what are we doing? So it's like, let's push the time when the band starts until we have everyone in the venue, then we can turn the lights out because we don't want a lot of cars driving around and people trying to park while the band's already playing. So you just get everybody on the same page to agree that, you know, this is what is going to be our safest course of action here. We spoke with the powers that be with the, 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 and we got the curfew pushed back. See, that's interesting to me because it's Saturday at seven o'clock. It's not like business hours. So it's very cool that you have access to those people, even at that time, the people who well, can actually make yeah, that call. I mean, basically, it's, it, you have access to, during, the, during that part of the event, we are in touch with Henry County Sheriff, Henry County Fire, and with the, um, and with the folks at the Speedway. So everybody, so everybody's aware of this. Everybody that has that 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 can make decisions is aware of what's happening. So so it's it's we're not going to county commissioners and, and folks like that. It's it's Henry County Fire, Henry County Sheriffs, you know the Atlanta Motor Speedway, and then you know our the uh, the producers of the event. Did I forget to mention to mention the weather? Whether one person would say yes or no, I don't think so. Nasty hurricane ripped through the second night, and as we heard, the promoters and the fans came together and rode it out. They got the curfew pushed back an hour, which Kit was pretty ho-hum about. I was impressed as heck that they could do that on the fly. Yeah, but most importantly, they had set protocol that they stuck to. and Not protocols? Thanks. Thanks for calling me out on that one. <laughs> no, but seriously. Um, no, yes. but seriously. They, they had did a plan. A, they had a plan. They did a fantastic job. And not just, and I say they, not just the promoters, but all the fan ambassadors to the to the police and the city officials and everyone that has to make decisions. It was a well-oiled machine. And like you even said, we have friends who would have preferred to see people leave the site. And I thought they did a really good job of Yes, well, what you're saying is I have a friend in the industry who thought they should have canceled, and I completely disagreed because you're not putting anyone in less – you're not uh, preventing someone from danger by putting them back on the road 30 miles south of Atlanta. It's best to – also, given the nature of the radar, the storm was passing. There was, a, there was a definite window. There was a possibility for a show to happen. The storm had tornado-like situation happening. Oh, the outer bands, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were spawning tornadoes. Yeah. And um, that could have been a really bad look. It, it, really, could, have, it could have been really bad. All those bike. I mean, the thing that when you were texting me, telling me about it, all I could think about is how much bike rack. Because think about it, folks. The cars are all separated by bike rack, right? So there's mm -hmm. so much bike rack, right. and that stuff just will pick up 
and take flight. Yeah, and that's a deadly, deadly missiles at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I was monitoring it. I was uh, very trepidatious. The whole, I was interacting with a lot of people in the Alfred McGee community, and I, I was really uh, excited to see everyone come together in that way, and it was very, very cool. But anyway, moving on, we're going to just give you a little more taste of the ambassador role because that is a very unique one and a little more insight in the fan experience and also how the ambassadors interacted with fans because there was an area Nicholas says well that's VIP area up front well people kept going up front and these ambassadors are the one and Jake even mentions it later in the episode Jake from Humphreys McGee and these guys were the ones that had to clear everyone out and we hear about whether or not they caught attitude and how the fans responded to it yeah so uh shall we continue absolutely So on top of being social distancing, ambas- social distancing ambassador, I also worked at the box office. So getting people checked in and giving them directions. Uh, obviously at check-in, it's a lot easier for people to be positive and just thankful and they understand the new rules, new requirements to get into the show. So there weren't any problems at check-in. It's just as social distance ambassador, we do have to every once in a while go up to a crowd during the show and ask them to either disperse or make sure to maintain six people per space. So if I see so a group of eight, I know at least two of them have come from somewhere that they're not supposed to be. Or if they have two cars next to each other, you have two spaces. So just utilize both. You guys can be four and four. It doesn't have to be all eight in one space. It's unsafe. And what about people going up front? Because there was space in front of the front row cars between there and the stage. Now, how much so did you keep an eye Sorry, my apologies. That's that's ultra premium. And that's specifically set for uh, the attendees who purchased those tickets. So you right, can't but, go all the way up there. But but when people some people did. And then when you had to go tell them were they how, how were the, was the crowd nice and respectful to you? Or did you catch some attitude? There were certain a lot mostly to me specifically. It was people just being OK, like, yeah, we understand. And then thanking us for doing the work. I uh, didn't they would. I'd kind of wait until they would make sure to like leave. I would just kind of hang out until they sort everything out and then disperse to their spots. But uh, I mean, I'd have to catch specific people doing it over and over again. And me and the crew would obviously be like, look, if you do this again, we're going to have to ask you to leave. Uh, I don't know specifically from my perspective, if anyone got escalated to that point, but there were a few attendees who weren't being as uh, like cooperative. Uh, I also want to know, did you see any people walking around without masks on? A little bit, but not bad. And I did actually see staff walking around reminding people to put their masks back on if they had pulled them off. So, um, yeah, for the most part, most people were very compliant, you know, 95% all compliant. Was that, was that the most interaction you had with the ambassadors uh, is just seeing them um, or, or, you know, you, you were, you were lit up. I mean, you were dressed in a, uh, in, in a track, track suit, track marshal outfit. And yes, for people who don't go. know in NASCAR, that's the person who waves the flag yeah. to, to signal the drivers of certain things. By the way, there was no yellow flags during the, if there were any yellow flags, they would have been Saturday, right? No. Well, um, if, if we want to get into the flags, uh, Rob, yeah. Uh, yellow flags were waved during set break as to ah. calm down. It's the red flag that comes out when you have to stop everybody. So Saturday, the red flag would have been waving, yes. Gotcha. <laughs> and you had and the checkered you, flag. Checkered flag for the finish. Right. Green flag to start each set. Yeah. Uh, you know, white flag when, um, when you thought the, the encore was almost over, you know, final lap. And then, of course, the dreaded black flag for when you make a mistake and you might have to go back to your pit to uh, – you know, fix something. So, and how did Brendan deal with that when you gave him a black flag? <laughs> they they should have covered black flag. I wonder what uh, other responsibilities they had. Well, let's let Nicholas Woodruff, social distance ambassador, tell us. So that role involves uh, basically welcoming all guests when they arrive, showing them to where their section seat and row is when they come to park and basically breaking down the rules in terms of what's allowed, making make sure you wear your masks, 
when you're outside of the vehicle and keeping, if you'd like to have them off inside the vehicle, making sure you're staying to your specific space, even if you're having friends, uh, multiple cars coming to the location or the event, you want to stay in your specific square and not travel parallel towards or away from the stage. Uh, that's basically our role and just clarifying any questions about uh, bathrooms, if there's merchandise, and just if there's anything else that they need assistance with, we just greet them and get them all set up in their space. Do you think, Steve, that not to replace, I asked this question awkwardly the last interview, not mm-hmm. to replace the, the, the normal concert industry, but could you see this sort of approach as a different, a new, different alternative to live music moving forward so, in the future? Would, would it be something so, you'd be into? So specifically what Rob's saying is a, uh, the be- bringing your own booze and being able to tailgate at a, you know, tailgate concert is what he's saying. Yeah. Having your space. Yeah. No, absolutely. No question in my mind. I mean, I love live music so much. I want to see as much of it as I can. And this is no doubt a great way to, to bring it to us during the current environment. But uh, like you said, to be able to pull up in your car and have a cooler and get out tables and chairs and do the tailgate experience and not have to pack it all up and rush into the show, you know, you just stand up. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It felt great. And you just turn toward the um, stage and listen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then if you need, if you need to turn around and grab some, some food that you have out on your tailgate table, you're right there. It's, it's, it's really a great, great job of what they're doing. And I would no question go to this um, until things get back to normal. You know, Seth, one thing these interviews in this episode reminds me of is something that goes back to the very beginning of this podcast, something you spoke about with Colonel, actually, during our interview, and Colonel was well aware of it as well, and that is Colonel Bruce Hampton. I mean, Hampton, hmm. Uh, The triangle of love. Yeah, yeah, well. That is the employees, the fans, and the artists. You want to do everything so that each is accommodated and each is happy. Isn't that correct, Seth? That's correct. Uh, I don't think I need to explain it more than that. You hit the nail on the head. Well, thank you, Seth. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. Before we go to Jake Sinegar, who is the lead guitarist and just an absolute shred-tastic player and sweet, kind, soulful human being as well, uh, who showed up right on time in proper Humphreys McGee fashion, right on the it turned four o'clock and he was poop on the Zoom. Uh, we want to point out a couple Humphreys McGee related things in case you're Georgia located located in Georgia and you're curious about the band. There's a podcast called Dropped Among This Crowd that is fantastic. Uh, that podcast also has something called the Conduit E cyber magazine e-magazine whatever you should sign up for each uh the band has two new releases one is called zonky it's a uh, it's not a new release but it's newly available on vinyl and that is a compilation of studio versions of their legendary mashups that they've done every year at halloween and sometimes they trickle in a set list uh, later the cool thing about the studio version is that they uh got to adorn them with extra musical bells and whistles and really make them something oh, really else. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I, I mean, I, I listen to that album frequently. I actually like it a lot. And one of the funny things is they do a uh, a piece of the weekend on it um, in one of the songs. And I'm just like, it can't, it's the song. I can't feel my face, you know? And I'm like, I feel like that song's still somewhat new. And I feel like this album is older than it. But this album came out right as that came out. And they were just right to it. They, I don't know. It's just those, the Humphreys McGee is on the point. And one thing I've uh, seen multiple threads about on Twitter is that it's the kind of Humphreys McGee record that you can put on with your family, with anybody. They don't have to be Humphreys McGee fans. Someone my son just... loves it. That's my point. Exactly. And, and even your parents, who, as long as they have some understanding of music, it's a fun, high-energy record. But also, Hall of Fame, class of 2019, the band surveys its fans and has them pick the best moments from the year. And um, they, uh, you know, 
present a compilation. There is an online version, but there's also a vinyl version, and this will sell out. This is a collector's item. You should get it. It's called Hall of Fame Class of 2019. Go to com, U-M-P-H-R-E-Y-S.com for the uh, uninitiated. Uh, for live recordings, you go to umlive.net. You can get a recording of that show. If you went to the show at the Speedway and you want to hear it again, go to umlive.net and look it up. You can purchase it there. There's also the Into the Vault kind of a video cyber rental series at tourgigs.com. The five-night 2014-15 Atlanta uh, Humphreys New Year's Eve run is available for viewing there for a small fee. And the uh, if you like improvisation again, January 28, 2016 in Madison, Wisconsin, they do a whole completely improvised set with Josh Redman. You can watch that as well, and it's pretty cool to see the nonverbal communication as they negotiate their way through the improvisation. Uh, the rest of the show will be from Jake Sinegar, but real quick, Seth, we, uh, you remember I asked Kit what he thought specifically about uh, the Humphreys McGee band and crew, and, and, and uh, we're going to lead with his comments. Is that uh, with your permission, Seth? Yeah, of course. Well, folks, uh, yeah, we're done. This is, this is the end of us uh, for this episode. So thank you so much for listening. Yep. And we hope you enjoyed a little inside scoop as to what's going on here in Atlanta. Uh, this has been an unreal time for all. Hopefully in the spring, things get back to somewhat normal, but um, I have a feeling we're going to see some more of these drive-in shows in the spring uh, as I don't think we're going to be all jumping back into big concerts. Uh, so it's really great. Uh, the promoters uh, that, that put this together did a fantastic job. Collective uh, presents you just phenomenal Berg's team there. They just did a great job and I wish them all the success and thank you collective for coming to Atlanta and making these happen, bringing it's such been, joy. It's been an unreal time or maybe perhaps a too real time, Seth, right? With that, enjoy the rest. Well, no, Jake. one last, one last thing. If you have any, if there's any artists or any people in the music industry or anything else having to do with Georgia music that you would like us to shine light upon, Send us an email at insideoutwtns at gmail.com. Insideoutwtns at gmail.com. We would really like the Atlanta and the people of Georgia to be a part of this uh, podcast series moving forward. So with that said, first Kit Blanchard and then melt into the beauty that is the dulcet tones of Jason and Beard. utmost professionals you know it's they've been doing it for you know for a while i've known several of the folks in that camp for almost i'd say over a dozen years that's a good way to put it over a dozen yeah. years and so they've seen they've seen you know weather events They've been through weather events and, you know, they're, they're consummate professionals. And, you know, I was, we were happy to have them um, as partners in this. And yeah, it, knock on wood, it, it couldn't have gone any, it, with the, how severe it could have been, it could not have gone any better, you know? So I'm glad that they were there because they understand these things. They are professionals, and I look forward to working with them again. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Jake. The facility was really cool. It was awesome just driving up to the uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway. It's just such a giant uh, sort of uh, infrastructure, you know, with like, oh, yeah. tar like just Tarmacville, you know what I mean? Every place has to, you have to be able to drive a fast car on every little area of the turf you know? right, right. so um it was kind of cool like our practice space was where they would hold the media press oh okay so it was in the center of the actual track so and there was like nothing going on at the track but we would sort of drive a vehicle into the track area and then our little backstage area was 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 quietly in the media Mm -hmm. pit so we'd kind of get the show together and then take the van back over to where the stage was and uh you know the 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 production was great it was like normal stage big pa system 
you know, video screens, um, you know, every, the lighting rig was, was stellar. And then, but then we had to deal with the weather because we were getting the remnants of, of the hurricane. Right. And it was sort of hit and miss. It would be like really nasty for a while. And then it was like clear up and then just like, just sort of like that. Disruptive. Yeah, you had those bands. Yeah. Those bands, aftermath bands from hurricane, you know, and you were in the media area during all that. Yeah. Well, well, we were kind of back and forth. We had like some RVs backstage. So when it got bad, we were just like all of us huddled in like 2002 style inside like a, a small RV. Just, Hey, how's it going? It's been a while. Let's, let's chat. See, I'm surprised you wouldn't have been in the structure of the speedway somewhere. No, when, when it was actually a tornado warning. Yeah, no, we were we were out uh, with everyone else. We were just praying that it would go over, so it did. Ooh, and and it rained so hard. I don't think most bands would have would have normally played in the sort of conditions we were playing in because it was raining really hard on us. Were you getting like, wet? Super oh, totally wet. Were. I mean, I was completely huh. drenched. It was like sideways rain. Right, right. How's it mixed with your gear? I mean, at least you, I mean, it's, it's not the rain from like, you know, uh, Mexico that has all the salt on it from the ocean. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. At least you but, know that. Right. <laughs> right. But the, we did end up losing some pedals like along the way, but it was really rainy. Like probably the most rain that we've ever played right. in. And we were like, dude, we're, we're getting through this show because all the people are here. Like yeah. we're not going to stop playing unless like we see obvious lightning. And, and right. that's, well, that's but, a no it was just strong but, rain. Like, we're getting through this. But yeah. aren't you worried about getting, I mean, you're, you've got an electric guitar. You've got electric gear all around you. I mean, aren't you I worried know, about getting we were, fried? I, that was going through my mind a little bit. There was a little risky business going on, for sure. Well, I just think all the pedals and stuff you mentioned. So, I mean, do you, do you get shocked and stuff like that? or is it? No, I think that the, the technology on how things are grounded and sort of isolated so well, just for the, the case of rain and these issues, just nowadays things are a lot better than they were even say like 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, everything's just more isolated and less likely to cause a shock issue. So we're actually playing through, through the, I mean, my guitar is completely wet. So I'm like slip, slipping around on my guitar <laughs> neck, like, like dripping off of me. It's, it's, it was pretty intense. And we were like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just let's just kill it and do our job and make everyone happy and and do our thing, do our duty, our rock and roll duty. You know. Now were you, were you concerned you that you were going to lose uh, that hour or before? Did you? Know, I mean, they they gave you that extra hour in the curfew, but were you guys concerned about that or or was that just like, nah, we're just going to play through? Yeah, like, we how'd were, that go? Yeah, we were just concerned on making it work. So it was nice to get that extra time because then we could like really watch the bands of of bad weather and sort of just place our music in between you know be like okay it's about to get nasty we're gonna get out of here for a little bit and then wait till little band blows over quickly rush back on stage we had like 45 minutes you know we could kind of motion through the night and get everything in well at the time you took the break your pedals had already been trashed right or some of them yeah i think i had i think i was running with like a distortion pedal and that was all that was working luckily i had my clean sound and like a distortion pedal so I was down, I mean, my whole pedal board kind of fried and like all the lights came on and all the pedals, I think it got hit with a surge of power. And I was like, oh man, okay, but whatever. I mean, a pedal's pedal, you know, it's, we did it for the love of rock and roll right there, you know. You're putting yourselves at, a, uh, at risk doing these things like this, you know. I mean, it's not just, yeah. you're not just flying, you know, you're not just driving in and you're bubble and staying in this bubble. You, you've, you're your exposure is there. Yeah. Hey, you're not going to um, see CSN doing this. <laughs> right. Totally. Totally. But I mean, no, that's true. That's why we kind of kept it down to like a minimal, uh, like it's like, sure. We could have done this like five or six times or, you know, a bunch of times, but we figured let's just experiment with a couple times. And that keeps a little bit of that risk factor down, but we're still getting some shows in and mm -hmm. it just feels good to play. It's very cathartic for us, you know, and, yeah. We're, we're being as like the protocol was pretty safe backstage. Everyone's got their masks on. Everyone's, you know, keeping at a certain distance, you know, so all the crew members are doing the same thing. So it's like, how they deal the, with, how do they deal with catering uh, in a situation like that? Yeah. It's so not just buffet out there or is it? No, no, we'll order, we'll order in. So that, that's where we'll basically order in from a, a, a reputable place nearby, you know, you're in Down the middle there. of nowhere. What are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> Reveal place in Atlanta. 
yeah, yeah. Oh, there's plenty of barbecue. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Foxes. We had Foxes barbecue. Fox out. Brothers. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Fox, Fox Brothers. Yeah. So good. That was that was serious. That was they had everything out there for us. So. So that's cool. So they they took care of in that sense. So what about the you know you're looking out at the fans now. Uh, so I've got a couple questions there. One, well, one is like when you when you see like everyone's behaving for the most part, but then all of a sudden, right in front of you, there's like thirty people like in a like gathering. What what what? Where where are you at with that? Yeah, you know, it didn't happen too often. If it did, the there was definitely the security up front and they kind of knew better. And they were like, you go back to your, your zone. <laughs> go to your you know? pod. Oh, you go to your pod. Yeah. You go to your yeah, pod. <laughs> exactly. It was like, it was like a school teacher. Like, you know, if you don't eat your meat, you can't have any food, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. I actually so, felt you guys were maybe looking in the crowd as the show went along less than you normally would at shows because it was so unusual and a bit of a distraction. No, it was, it's, it was okay. It felt, like the aesthetic of the show was very much the same. It's just the way it looked for sure right. out different, but everything felt really normal otherwise. So it didn't phase us out any. We were just really glad to be up there playing, you know, right. see people standing on their cars and getting crazy and who knows what they had in their cars. I can only imagine if I was, it was just a nitrous tank. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like it's like you got a trunk full of fentanyl patches. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're so making. But, you're playing white soup. They're making meth. Right. <laughs> making exactly. Meth. <laughs> so as you're looking out though, now I'm curious about the future though. I mean, as a fan's perspective, it we were there. We were there, Rob and I, on the first night, and we really enjoyed the yeah. ability to like set up our little, you know, yeah. our drinks and our food and and like have our own space and. All that, like I could, I would totally, I would totally go back to a drive-in concert just for for that. Like to tailgate at a concert is a really cool thing. And and before you answer, not not to replace the normal way, but just to augment, have another way of doing it. Yeah, for sure. I think that that makes um, total sense in in the summertime atmosphere too. Like utilizing the weather a little bit more, and and. You know, you, you, you're less like in that theater sort of aspect. I think that works. I think, you, I think thinking about it like tailgating makes it enticing for groups of people to get together and do that. Now, and then, when, then when it's not non-COVID territory, it's even funner of an idea. You know?
supposed to be this way I wasn't told of this before What had I known about this for? Give yourselves a big round of applause for being troopers. 
all fucking weekend. Thank you. Sorry for the F-bombs. <laughs>